You're listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Behrens, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Behrens, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the good old Tactical Kitchen Show. That was pretty normal. No, it wasn't. It was (laughs) totally crazy. Well, at least you got your announcer voice going. (laughs) How many different ways can you actually do it? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm... is, I hope that didn't come across. So oh, I got a Google password required for something. Anyway, whatever. Um, I figured you would just like learn a whole bunch of impressions for this podcast. Well, this is the eighty-fifth time I've done it, so they're really I'm just you just run out of things to do. It's like <laughs> it's like making it you know a TV show. Like how many things can possibly happen in your TV show? Well, and I guess you're doing what TV shows do. They just rehash the same crap over and over again. Hey, it works. I mean, Beverly Hills 90210. Let's do a show about Beverly Hills 90210. It's crazy. <laughs> is is there nothing like actually There are no original yeah. like, ideas for shows and stuff. Now, that's why they that's why they just rehash old things. I know. We are watching one thing that seems to be a little bit original to me. Um, I had never heard this story before. We're watching an episode, or an episode, we're watching a show called C. S-E-E. C. Yeah. Everybody's Blind. Yeah. And it kind of came out at a weird time because what happens in the show is everyone is blind because this virus killed everyone (laughs) except for two million people on the planet and everyone who survived was blind was blinded and then everyone born after that is blind and i was like i don't know if i want to watch this show coronavirus (laughs) you know (laughs) know. so poor timing man but it is an interesting story and it seems a little bit kind of um original i guess it's not bad it's fun to watch things like that because i'm interested in how they film it and how the actors had to prepare because now you have to act as a blind person that's not easy no, you just, you know, well, teenagers could do it. You just don't look people in the eye. <laughs> and it seems like most kids are nowadays pretty, you know, equipped to do that they because just, they just look at their phone. They, yeah, they stumble around like they have phones and they're, <laughs> they're practically blind. <laughs> we walk so I don't know if you guys have this happen, but you'll be walking someplace in public and you literally have to like dodge people who are looking down at their phone, except if you're Steve and you just yell, look up yeah, <laughs> at like, the person. I like to startle people that are not paying attention. It's really fun. Uh, anyway, so yep. that's what we've been watching. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that has to do with anything, except it does have something to do with viruses. Well, it does. And, you know, and, and I had to travel last week. I had to fly. Which, uh, it wasn't a big deal for me, but apparently a lot of people are scared of flying right now. Well, you know, I was thinking, while we were watching some stuff about the coronavirus and about flying and things like that, you know, I was like, well, is it more serious than the flu? But really, when you look at it, the flu kills a lot of people. It kills a lot of people. Every year. And, and, you know, I guess, you know, I, I understand why we're worried about having a new virus out there. You know, it, it kills people and that's not any fun no. for anybody. So, um, but, you know, I had to travel and 
what I notice is when I when I travel, especially going through going through airports. Now I only f- flew from DFW, which is that's an international airport, but you know I'm in my own little in old uh, terminal going to Knoxville, which is not a huge airport. So yeah, it's a small one. Not a, not a lot of international tra- travelers going through Knoxville, but I pay more attention to people and what they do, and uh, you'd be amazed at the amount of people that don't wash their hands. Yeah, and that's one of the things, like, if you watch anything about the coronavirus, the big, any virus, any illness, anytime, flu, whatever, colds, everything, washing your hands when you're in public, you know, is kind of one of those, like, no-brainer things that you can do as a preventative, but how many times do you go to the bathroom and you watch people go to the bathroom and then walk out without washing their hands, and you're like, what? Right. <laughs> Now, I'm not a, and, and I want to say this, I'm not a huge, like, you know, germaphobe where I wash my hands every 10 minutes kind of person. But in public, I do make sure that I do certain things. Like, I, I wash my hands often, especially when you go to the restroom. Hello. And I make sure that I'm not touching my face and, you know, all those kind of things that happen. Right. You're not sticking your fingers in your mouth after you grab the bathroom <laughs> door handle. I'm not getting, you know, the ribs and sucking on my fingers at the, at the airport, you know, restaurant. Trying to avoid there's, that. There's little things you can do that are just so practical that, you know, we just don't really think about it. And you should be doing all the time probably because the flu is, you know, the flu kills more people than the coronavirus. A lot more. A lot more. The flu, and when we say flu, usually it's pneumonia and flu together. But, yeah, you know, so that's one of those things that just thinking about it this week, looking at it, what are we going to do, you know, they, they keep, like, talking about the coronavirus, like, I don't know, it feels very um, pandemic, <laughs> you know, the way that people talk about it on the media, but in reality, it's really like, we're not doing anything much different than we would normally do to prevent illness, which is maintaining our diet and then washing our hands in public. And, you know, not going up and licking strangers. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Don't go, don't go lick any strangers. But, you know, on the road, uh, you know, I was gone for a couple of days. So I was in the, the, the hotel gym working out. Mm-hmm. That's freaky for some people because it's a public place where people come work out. Gyms have a lot of, like, body fluids. Well, what's <laughs> funny was is all the people in there were laughing about it. Like, yeah. we were joking about it, about, you know... Uh, trying to wipe down the gym equipment, and of course the gym didn't have any, uh, you know, alcohol wipes to wipe down any of the equipment. So no, because it's a hotel gym, and they usually suck. Yeah, so everybody that was in there, and most of the people were, were frequent travelers, so we were all, you know, joking about here we are in the hotel gym while there's a coronavirus floating around. So yeah, there's only so much you can do, honestly, because you gotta gotta live your daily life. You can't, you know, sequester yourself. Yeah, I don't want to get too much into the conspiracy aspect of the virus and then the election year and all the things that people say online. Whatever. The flu and all these different things are around all the time. So all these little tips and tricks are just stuff for everyday life. If you go to the gym and you sweat all over something, it's common courtesy to wipe it down. It's not just about the viruses. It's also about that gym etiquette, right? Yeah. I don't want to go lay on your sweaty puddle, <laughs> stranger. <laughs> so, you know, you do you do those little things all the time. They become a habit. And then you don't have to worry so much about being fanatical when it comes around that there's an illness. Um, granted, it hasn't really hit our area. Um, but if it did, I know that people tend to panic. 
And some of the things that we have talked about doing is preparing food-wise because not that we're worried about the coronavirus um, as much as we're worried about people panicking. Yeah, we're worried about other people freaking out because that happened um, last year or the year before when um, there was a hurricane down in Houston. Right. And everybody up here freaked out about gas. Mm-hmm. It was like everybody thought there was going to be a gas shortage, so everybody went to go get gas immediately, which caused a gas shortage. Right. So, you know, I'm afraid the same thing happening with uh, just the normal, you know, normal supply of groceries is everybody freaking out because they're afraid there's going to be a shortage, so they they artificially create a shortage. Right. And the other thing that can happen, which would be a little bit, you know, worrisome, is that if you did have a stop in um, you know, transportation of food items to grocery stores. Like if the transportation of items that you need are stopped because truck drivers can't, you know, go to certain areas or whatever, that would be an issue. So we kind of talked about what are our strategies for, you know, keeping ourselves healthy if there were to be and not to create any kind of extra panic, but if there were to be a shortage of certain foods, what could you do to mitigate that and stay healthy, especially if you're on a carnivore diet and you've got to have meat or you you want to have meat, um, one thing would be obviously a deep freeze and buy up some meat and have it, you know, in your deep freeze. Yep. Um, another thing that I was recently looking at is, and I know a lot of people do this just anyway, but there's um, the idea of making pemmican. Which I've never had, so... I haven't ever had it either, and I know people who have made it, and I think it's really interesting because it is something that you don't have to refrigerate, you don't have to worry about it spoiling. Everything I read in that book by Bill Homer Stephenson, and when they're talking about pemmican, they're saying, like, it can last for decades without spoiling and no refrigeration. Totally blew my mind when we were talking about it yesterday because when you said it's it's meat and fat and it can last for decades without refrigeration and it won't spoil. Well, this goes back, brings me back to my culinary background, right? Oh, okay. Okay. So when you... When you dehydrate the meat, and you would do it with fresh meat, not uh, cooked, it would be raw, and they dry it out, and you get all the liquid out of it, then you don't have any water molecules left in the meat, and then when you add the fat to it, and you the way you make pemmican, you know, you kind of make it like a, a powder, you powder the meat, dry it and grind it up, make it a powder, then you add the rendered fat to it, what happens is the fat locks out any oxygen. Oxygen is what spoils things. So there it's very, you know, interesting that when reading that book uh, by not by bread alone by Bill Homer Stephenson, they're talking about wanting the uh, military in the US to use pemmican as a ration, you know, their food ration. And the dietitians were really against it and said that they wouldn't, nobody would eat it. But everybody else was like, no, we really like it. It's nutrient dense. It's very <laughs> small. It, we don't have to eat a lot of it to maintain energy. But it was the dietitians who were like, no, uh-uh, we're not doing that. Yes. That's not, meat's not healthy. And ever since then, the dietitians have been screwing up the diet of the military. I know. And it, I was like, I didn't realize it went that far back. But the general of the army, and then there was another um, military higher brass person who were very in um, favor of using pemmican during World War II. The U.S. didn't do it, but guess who did? 
the Germans. The Germans. So I thought that was really interesting because it lasts. There's no reason for you to not uh, carry it because it wouldn't spoil. You didn't need refrigeration. Um, it was very nutrient-dense. And I thought, gosh, that would be a great food stuff to have around in case there was a shortage of meat, you know, here. Yeah, and I, and I totally would have used it when I was doing military stuff because that was a, the one thing that was very hard was to pack enough food for the three, four days you're going to be out because you had to carry it all along yeah. with your radios and batteries and, and water and all that stuff. So it was difficult, and we usually carried a lot of cliff bars, uh, you know, just, yeah. just junk like that that you could that you could kind of eat on, and it it was not fun. Right. So it had been great to have something like pemmican that was uh, very nutrient-dense. Right. And, you know, the idea is that when you dry the meat from fresh meat, uncooked, you know, raw meat, that the whole idea is it retains its vitamin C and it also prevents scurvy, which we've talked about before, the idea of fresh meat preventing scurvy. And a lot of people that say, oh, if you go carnivore, you're going to get scurvy. You're not going to have vitamin C. Um, Your teeth are going to fall out. Well, You know, scurvy was a really serious problem. We've talked about this before among sailors. And they figured it out that when they got on land and they had access to fresh meat, everybody got better. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of the pemmican, there has been people way back in the 1920s who were experimenting with pemmican only like as their main and only food for nine weeks. So when people start saying there's no, no, there's no study that shows that meat is good for humans. There's some interesting things where individuals did like long nine week, you know, uh, self studies with just pemmican only and didn't get scurvy, had perfect health. You know, it was just really interesting. So I thought this is a great food to have around in an emergency. Well, and it also, we talked before about doing long hikes like Appalachian Trail kind of hikes and, and you know, what kind of food would you take? Cause that's the one logistical thing you have to figure out is, is your food because you, you got to plan your food for the hike? You kind of ship it forward yeah. you know, to different locations. And what will be the best food to take? And man, it sounds like pemmican would be the the one that I would try if I was going to do something like that. I would really try to figure out how to get you know as much pemmican as I could carry, and then plan along you know along your route your resupply for for more pemmican. It'd be great to do that and just see how it worked out. I know. I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, it's a Native American food, so you should be down with that. Totally. Steve's card-carrying Choctaw Indian, by the way. Yes, I whip it out all the time at all kinds of places. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it's one of those things, my, my heritage go back, my, my, my family has a roll number, a Native American roll number. I don't look anything like a Native American whatsoever, um, because the, the Irish and the German and Swedish all took over, so I look very <laughs> Northern European. But, uh, but it's back there. It's in there. You know, and you got the card to show it. And I got a card to prove it. That's so, so funny. Yeah, but you know, it was just one of those things I came across, and in this whole thing about coronavirus and things shutting down, and you were seeing that someone that is, uh, on, you read online, there's a person who's trapped in China, an American who's been in an apartment for like 39 days. Yeah. So one of the one of the groups, uh, the Keto Man's Club, one of the groups I'm in online, and you know, we talk a lot about just all kinds of fun stuff. And uh, one of the guys in the group posted that he'd been in his apartment for 39 days. And they were expecting another 20 days of, you know... Isolation. Of quarantine, yeah. being isolated there. So, man, I, I was thinking, wow, that's 
Oh, that's crazy. I'm like, fifth floor apartment. Right. And that's when you have to start looking at, okay, where are you getting your food from? And what are you going to do in that situation? And what if power goes out? And all these things. So not to be a doomsday Debbie Downer, but these are things that we do have to think about as people create panic around something that really maybe doesn't need that much of a panic, but people create a panic. Well, here's some good news. So, so on this whole thing, if you're listening to this, you probably you know are a keto person or a carnivore person. People that are in ketosis have a have a stronger immunity to viruses like this. Right, that's one hundred percent true. Yeah, there's a couple of good studies out there that show how people in ketosis are. I want to say immune, but they have a stronger resistance to this the, the regular flu virus. So it kind of lends to the you know the train of thought that if you're in ketosis, you would also have a more immune system or immune response to the coronavirus. Yeah, you'd be a little more robust in your immune response. So with that being said, one thing, we're going to talk about a couple of things that we're going to do in light of this kind of global issue of coronavirus. And of course, one of them is to plan for food just in case something were to go down. We don't want to be caught having to eat ramen, (laughs) you know? (laughs) No. I mean, that that would be worse than the coronavirus for me. But, I mean, I just can't even imagine. So, you don't want to be caught without having food. So, it's a good idea, if you pay attention to things, to have a few backup supplies that you can live off of for a time being. I don't think there's anything wrong or crazy about that. No, there's nothing wrong with being prepared. No, nothing wrong with... It's better to be prepared than to be sorry. Yeah, as long as you're not, you know, um, you know not, not just crazily freaking out about being prepared, which which is what you want to avoid, but being, you know, cautiously prepared, intelligently prepared, I guess would be the word I'm looking for. Yeah. You know, use, use a little bit of common sense and kind of put some things back or maybe stick a few things in your freezer. Yeah. It's no different than working out and exercising. Yeah. You're, you're, it's preventative. You're, it's preventative. That's all it is. So this is the, kind of along, along the same line. So just be smart about it. Yeah. And then another thing, and I listened to something about vitamin C like years ago and how, and you may, you guys may already 100% know this, so it might be a rehash, but vitamin C is an antiviral, and it's one of the most underutilized antivirals on the market. Why? Because it's super cheap. It's super cheap, and they can't write you a prescription for it. Right. And is that the only reason? I'm not sure, but I think it's a really big one. A really big reason is mm-hmm. that they can't write you a prescription for it, so pharmaceutical companies just are not going to make money hand over fist, charging your insurance more than it's worth. Um, So one thing is that high-dose vitamin C intake can be very useful in a situation where there's a virus like this going around. Yep. So what do we mean when we say high dose? Yeah, and that's a question that I had was like, what is is high dose? What's what's normal dose? What's high dose? Because... There was a, a one guy that talked about curing cancer. Again, I, you know, I, I can't refer to the study, but he used like 25,000 milligrams a day. Yeah, and I don't recall. I should have looked it up so I could give you guys more information. But there are doctors in the past who have used high-dose vitamin C, intravenous vitamin C, as a cancer treatment very effectively. And there are some you know, doctors out there who are promoting the use of vitamin C during this time and saying that there are a lot of needless deaths happening because if somebody just took 3,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day along with some zinc and vitamin D3 and magnesium, 
that a lot of this illness can be prevented by dosing vitamin C within, you know, dividing it throughout the day. So what that would mean for like 3,000 milligrams would be 1,000 milligrams in the morning, 1,000 in the mid, you know, afternoon, and then 1,000 maybe in the evening. And so pretty simple. The only thing with vitamin C is sometimes if you overtake vitamin C, the big it's water-soluble vitamin. So the big thing that happens is that you can get loose bowels, which means you can poop your pants, which if you're a carnivore, you may already be doing that anyway. <laughs> if you're a carnivore, you're like, hey, that's no big deal. I do that all the time. Right. What's the big deal? You got carnivore pants. So, <laughs> you know, that is one thing. But, you know, is it going to hurt you? I don't know. I'm not a doctor and I'm not a researcher on vitamin and, a, and a, you know, an expert on vitamin C. I'm telling you what I've heard. So this is hearsay. Yeah, <laughs> this is food for thought. So if, yeah. you're, if it interests you, then go research it some more. If you, if you think it's, uh, you know, just oogaboogas, then don't worry about it. <laughs> <Oogaboogas. laughs> I, I saw a great meme and I had a caveman on there and it had like a sad face. It's like when you when you drive you know when you draw a really good cave art of a saber tooth tiger and, and only get seven oogaboogas. It's prehistoric Facebook. Prehistoric Facebook. So funny. So you know, I mean, all of these things. Back to the vitamin C. If I can stop laughing about the oogaboogas, <laughs> <laughs> the vitamin C and doing some things to you know to promote good healthy immune system, which you know all, a lot of us. We're going to get sick now and again, every now and again. Yeah. I proved that at the beginning of the year. Right. I went all out and got pneumonia. I just wanted to prove that on carnivore, you can get sick. Yes, <laughs> but you can. Full disclosure, again, if you didn't listen, I was not full carnivore. I was drinking some alcohol around the holidays and indulging in a little bit of keto-friendly red wine, and I ended up getting pneumonia because I did not know that alcohol actually will help escort the pneumonia bacteria down into your lungs. Who knew? I didn't. Somebody <laughs> did. It was on the interwebs, but I didn't know. So I had a sinus infection that turned into pneumonia, but I didn't have the flu. I got tested. Right. Never had the flu. Never That's, had the flu. So people think if you had pneumonia that you automatically had the flu. So no. I'm gonna keto wait train. The, I'm going to wait for the keto train to do its job. It's rolling through town. Yeah. And it's overcast today, so every time it's overcast, it's like extra loud. Yeah, it carries carries yeah. much further. But, uh, um, you know, so yeah, didn't get the flu. So that goes back to you know, when we say that if you're in ketosis that, you know, you're kind of resistant to the flu. That, that almost kind of proves our point. Right. They, I know, because they came back in when it was negative, and they were kind of, like, disappointed. They were like, you don't have the flu. Yeah. And I was like... Yeah, they expected you to. <laughs> I know. They really did expect me to have the flu. And um, the test was not pleasant at all, because they jabbed something up your nose, way up your nose. Mm -hmm. But um, I didn't have the flu, but I did get pneumonia. And I did some things to help, you know... Help the pneumonia out. I was being a friend to pneumonia over the holidays and just drinking a little alcohol. So FYI, if you do start feeling a little bit sick, do not drink alcohol. If you normally indulge in a little bit of keto or uh, either liquor, uh, hard liquor, or if you indulge in red wine or anything like that, I would say abstain from alcohol as soon as you feel a little bit crappy or you feel like not well. That's a really good sign that you need to cut out the alcohol. Yeah, and and that just goes to you know we we all 
kind of get complacent in our health journey every once in a while and you kind of add things back in like the keto wine or maybe a little more carbs or, you know, over those holidays you add a little more fun desserts, supposedly keto desserts in, and that's going to change, uh, you know, your your body and might expose you to more things. Right. It might just like help something that was latent take hold and mm-hmm. then, you know, after that, it's kind of too late, but you can, <laughs> you know, you, you can still um, recover faster, I believe, on a keto diet. Because I know I recovered fairly quickly from the pneumonia. They were really surprised with that. But, uh, you know, again, we're not saying that everybody um, needs to worry and run out and buy a bunch of meat. But these are just some things that we're doing to mitigate any kind of panic that might happen. Mm -hmm. I've got extra meat in the freezer. Do not come knocking on my door asking for meat if you did not prepare. (laughs) (laughs) I always think that's like what happens in a panic. Like somebody didn't prepare and then they're like, I'll just go take it from whoever did. You know, you see it in TV shows like The Walking Dead. You do see it in TV shows. there, There is no way to predict how all that stuff will happen but you know who knows everybody can can throw all their wild theories out there but until it happens nobody's going to really know yeah so you know biggest thing is just do do the common sense little things that you would do normally to prevent getting sick and call it good you Mm -hmm. know we we really are we can really only control a certain amount of things yeah i know if you have to travel like I, i did last week one of the things i struggled with was was finding food that i wanted yeah because you didn't you didn't get to take food with you like normal because Mm -hmm. you flew and then when you are having to eat out you even if you get a steak sometimes you're exposed to really crappy oils yeah you are and 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 steaks are always disappointing when i get them out just always so i did one one thing i did when i got there i was i was close to a whole foods which i I thought was going to be awesome so the, the the afternoon I got in, I went over to Whole Foods thinking, man, usually they have a lot of, of meat on their buffet. Yeah. I'll just get a whole bunch and take it home, and then I'll eat some, and then eat some later and keep it in my fridge, and I'll be good. They had zero red meat. None. Yeah, a lot of their prepared foods, like normally when we go to some Whole Foods in Texas, if you're traveling, you can get brisket or, mm-hmm. or, or you know pork belly, things like that in their prepared section. And you you call me and you were like, all they have is chicken. They had the roasted chickens, and they had everything else that was out was all vegetables. Yeah, everything tofu. Yeah. I mean, just it was all vegetable based. They had no meat out whatsoever except that chicken. Yeah, the chicken. Which I probably should have just grabbed a roasted chicken and took it back to my room, but I was stubborn, so I left and went looking for you know red meat. <laughs> Well, I know a lot of people will will go to In-N-Out Burger and, you know, get the patties and stuff like that. But sometimes you're not even around a place like that. I have heard they don't use oil on their griddle. So a lot. I've, ne- I've never had an In-N-Out Burger. Well, I, I just went, I haven't either. I, I just went looking for barbecue and it was really hard to find. Like it wasn't a, there wasn't a ton of barbecue places in, in Knoxville and they don't have brisket. Yep, it's not Texas. Yeah, that just freaked out. I was like, "What do you mean you don't have brisket?" Yeah, like, they're like, "Well, we don't have brisket." I was See? like, "But I don't understand. Why don't you have brisket?" <laughs> and the guy was like, "I don't know. We just don't have brisket." I was like, "Dang, dang it!" I know. I remember being in North Carolina once, and I got barbecue, and it came with the white vinegar-based barbecue sauce, and I was like, 
I was 18, I think. And I, I remember I was like, what? What is this? I don't understand. Because being from Texas, we're used to smoked beef barbecue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was pork and or chicken, and they didn't have any beef either. So I was kind of surprised by that myself. Yeah. So it was hard to find, you know, solid uh, red meat options while I was there. But the, the last night I was there, which was really funny, just across the street was a Brazilian steakhouse. Yes, and, a churrascaria. Yeah. So, you know, you, it's just a meat restaurant, basically. You go around, you just sit there, and they bring you meat. Over and over and over again. You know, like a Fogo de Chao or a Texas Day Brazil. If you guys have been there, you know, you get the button that says, keep bringing the meats. And then you flip it over to the red side when you want them to stop. Yeah, I I think I sat there for an hour eating meat. I didn't stop. (laughs) Until I, I literally felt like if I didn't get up and walk away, I was going to explode. I was, it was just like the Monty Python. If, if I ate something that was just wafer thin, I was going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> you pushed all the meat that you could into your body. I did because I felt like I didn't have it for like two days. So I just figured I'd eat all I could yeah, in that one sitting. I know. And that's the thing. Like a lot of people on carnivore or that think about going carnivore, I get this question a lot. Do you get tired of it? Do you get tired of eating the same thing all the time? And, I mean, you would think that you would. I really thought that I would. But, no, I think on days when we don't, for some reason, get red meat, which is, I can't even remember the last time I didn't have red meat on a day. But I don't even remember. Yeah. But I do know that, well, yeah, I do. Hospital. When I was in the hospital, <laughs> I didn't have red meat. And I was sick, but I was like so craving red meat. And I couldn't wait to get home and be able to actually eat a regular hamburger patty or steak or roast or something like that. Which is crazy that you're in the hospital and they deny you the most nutrient-dense food on the planet. They won't give it to you. Yeah, they gave me a hamburger patty, but it was sad. But, that you know, that's that's prevalent in the medical, you know, environment. Even, even functional med- medicine doctors that are supposed to be better at this will still say that red meat's bad for you and don't eat too much saturated fat. And eat all the vegetables. But eat all the vegetables, and you, you just want to bang your head against the wall and go, that's that's not going to help you, man. But, you know, I've been reading, that, like I said, I know I sound like a broken record, but I've been reading that book, Not By Bread Alone, and um, really looking at everything he says that the dietitians are saying of that day. And even back in the 1920s, they were pushing that red meat was bad and that you shouldn't eat eat red meat and that you should eat more vegetables and they were starting in the like in between the 20s and the 40s to start pushing variety with no scientific reason right just pushing variety and he talks about that and i thought it was so interesting because here we are still fighting this same battle yep. you know and i call it like fighting a battle i really just like you read it you hear it it's annoying but well, it's on a much larger scale now because you have you have things that can reach millions of people like Netflix, and yes. and they make these propaganda films like The Game Changers and I think it was What the Health. What the, the Health? What yeah. the Health? Those are propaganda films that have that really have no scientific information. They just they they use authority and and scare tactics to get people to switch to uh, you know eating uh, not eating meat and eating just vegetables, and it's just total. 
BS, but I've run into so many people that they watch one of those shows and that's why they switch. Right. And it, it is just propaganda and that is what they use, our fear tactics and just a louder voice to try to, to stir you and stir your emotion to get you to you know, do what they're telling you to do. Well, the, the thing is the people that make those movies are heavily invested in the, you know, plant-based products, you know, industry. Mm-hmm. So they have, they're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it to, to promote a product that they are responsible for and they make money from. Right. So it's not out of the kindness of their heart that they're telling you that, you know, if you, if you eliminate red meat and eat vegetables, that you're going to be better. There is a bottom line that they're looking for. And, and when you see large um, money-backed uh, entities pushing a certain uh, way of eating or living, a lot of times that is the thing. There's a, there's a dollar sign at the bottom of that. There that is. They're trying to gain. So it's something to pay attention to. Um, pay attention to the headlines. Like there's a lot of fear-mongering headlines about plant-based, you know, needing to move to a plant-based diet, whether it's environment health or you know any or, or other aspects of plant-based living um just the uh, enlightenment like i go to the store and i see the different brands and their their titles of their foods or their companies are like enlightened something or mm-hmm. the light or it's all about being uh spiritually awakened right. and all yeah. of these things like which like, makes it like if you eat meat you're a you know basically like you're a demon yeah you know <laughs> yeah, no it's funny <laughs> like all the the plant uh milk products are like that yeah i can't remember the names of them but they're all they're all really they're, they're, they take the moral high ground. Like if you drink this, you're morally superior to everyone else. Right, it does, and it comes across that way. I see some of this stuff when I go to natural grocers, and I can't remember the names of of all the products, but I just walk by them and I'm like, oh gosh, so mind it's so annoying. But hey, what are you gonna do? Because there's the same explosion in keto products as well. So. Just like there's an explosion in plant-based products, there's an explosion in, in available keto products at places like Walmart. So yeah, there are, and you got to be careful with all of that. Anything that's produced and processed, you still have to be careful of the ingredients. You know, mm-hmm. we say that all the time. Meat is pretty much just meat. You know, you go to the store, you get some meat. It's meat. <laughs> it's really easy. Eggs, they're just eggs. Quality, you base that upon what you can afford, mm-hmm. and. A lot of people will shame um, people about the quality of meat or eggs that they are purchasing. And my thing is, like, you don't have to balance that person's checkbook, man. You don't know what they're going through, but they're trying to do their best to be healthy. And if they have to eat, you know, a cheaper meat or a not a grass-fed, grass-finished, this and that, and buy the, you know, 89 cent eggs, then they're doing something positive for their health. And, yeah, you know, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Let them do what they can. Yeah. If you want to say, hey, have you ever thought about, okay, that's different. But, you know, if, if someone, if that's all they can afford and they, all they can get is ground, ground meat and cheap eggs, then, hey, that, that's better than eating the sugar, the flour, the, the processed oils, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So, yeah. Another thing that we we do every day, pretty much, and a lot of people still um, maybe don't agree with this, but we use exogenous ketones. Yep, we do. There's a there's a lot of solid evidence on exogenous ketones being healthy. And trust me, if 
if there is a in our area a huge spike in say the coronavirus, I will increase my intake of ketones as well as everyone in my family. Yeah, we will. Um, I know that that was something I did when I I was in the hospital with pneumonia as I was drinking ketones while I was in the hospital. And they were like, wow, you're getting better so much faster than everybody else who has pneumonia. And it was like, you know, it was pretty interesting. And I think that it's something that can be utilized um, by people. If you don't believe in it, just don't do it. If you don't think it's worth it. Right. But that's one of the things that I did traveling. Like yeah. when I got to the airport, you know, one of the one of the first things I did was, uh, you know, I I went through security. I refilled my water bottle at a, a water fill station, and I used you know a exogenous ketone packet uh, just because I knew I was going to sit on an airplane with people that most might be sick. Mm-hmm. And if I'm in in a high level of ketosis, then I have a better chance of not catching anything. Right. And so on that you know two hour flight, if you've had your ketones before you get on that flight. You're, you you may theoretically be better protected from you know contracting a virus, um, and that's one thing that we do choose to do daily, and that when we travel, we always do. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, people will do something like drink an emergency powder or whatever, and not think twice about it. And those things are racked full of sugar. Right. I mean, they're just like full of sugar, <laughs> which seems like an oxymoron. You know, you're you're taking something to prevent an immune. Uh, to boost your immunity, but it has something in it that decreases your immunity, uh, sugar. So yeah. it's just really interesting. Well, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I saw something on Facebook. My mom has has the flu. I saw it last night, um, and she was talking about stuff that she was drinking, and she mentioned apple juice and orange juice and a couple other things that were they're just not going to help your immune system. They're going to no. hurt it, and and that's that again. That's the old. Uh, influence of doctors telling people to do stuff like that that is not healthy for you. Right. And that's hard because, you know, when it's a parent, they don't want to listen to you. No. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to listen to their kid. No. So. And it, but it's also hard when you get sick because, um, you know, you'll do anything to get better. If somebody tells you that rubbing horse poop on your face will make you feel better, you're sometimes you're in the place where like, just show me where the pile. Yeah, is at. if you're sick enough, you will do anything, and and I've been there. I know most people have, and they understand it. And you kind of lose the your you know common sense filter when you get that sick because you'll try anything. I know. Um, you know, so just you know, do the best you can, and that's why you have a plan before it happens. You you know, just like we're talking about now. What's gonna? What are you gonna do if you do start to feel ill, or you, or you do get sick, or do you have that plan in place so you know what you're going to do and what you're not going to do? Yeah, and sometimes you know, <laughs> your your best laid plans kind of fall apart because you know you end up with no appetite, or when you do have an appetite, you're really craving carbohydrates Mm -hmm. because that's it that is something that happens when you do get sick so making sure you have foods in the house that can promote good immune system responses which would be like you know just don't eat sugar during that time because it's gonna it's gonna break down your uh, capability to fight off viruses and infections Um, sugar is a big reason why our immune system kind of gets broken and then you know have foods that you can eat you may not feel like drinking bone broth, but it's going to be much better to do that than to drink ginger ale or, or something orange like juice, that. Or, or apple orange juice. juice. Right. So all the little things that you can do to save yourself from yourself. 
Yeah. And the reason why I say that is because I've had to do that myself personally. I know we've had to do that because you have to sometimes save yourself from you by making sure that what's in the house is stuff that would promote good health versus, um, you know, having things in the house that would yeah. further damage your, your immune response. Yeah, so have that plan in place or have the idea of what you're going to do so when it does happen. And if you're the, the caregiver of the house, you know, make sure that you have that plan in, in place for your loved ones, if you're your children or, yeah. you know, your spouse. Uh, make sure that you have that plan so you know what you're going to do uh, to help them get better. Absolutely. Well, enough fear-mongering for today. <laughs> we hope we didn't do too much of that. really don't want to, but we feel it's a subject that we should be able to talk about openly and everybody feel comfortable with it and understand that if it does happen, if you have a plan, you're going to be better off. Absolutely. Plan, what is it? Um, I don't remember the, the saying. Because poor planning uh, prevents poor performance. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that, yeah. It's some kind of military thing. It's a military thing. I'm not military. I'm just married to you. So, All right. Fear-mongering, done Done. for the day. We're going to work out this afternoon, build our mitochondria, eat our meat, and... And be healthy. Be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, we hope you guys have a great day. Uh, We really appreciate, appreciate you turning in and listening. Go out there, eat fat, and prosper. Thanks for listening to The Tactical Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to btkquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.